Welcome to Space the Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 17th official episode. Let's start right off talking about the trade that involved the Phoenix Suns and the Washington Wizards. This was hilarious because <laughs> about like 12 hours before, it was, was going to be a three-team trade between those two teams and the Grizzlies, but there is an issue that made it completely die because mm-hmm. there are two players on... The Grizzlies roster, Dylan Brooks, who's probably better, and then Marshawn Brooks. Definitely definitely the worst of the two. Yeah. And the Suns thought they were getting Dylan Brooks, and the Grizzlies thought they were giving up Marshawn Brooks. Yeah. And there was just a miscommunication (laughs) over which Brooks it was going to be because they were both operating through the Wizards, Mm kind of communicating through the Wizards. Like first of all, how does this happen? <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, you, you would think that in like a professional setting, you know, a deal that's going to be like sort of shaking a, up the league, a multi-million-dollar yeah. league. I, that's it's hilarious that that you know that that was the, that was the deal breaker is that they got confused which Brooks they were talking about. Like, that's your job. Yeah, I don't know. Like you get it's, paid a million dollars a year to do that. Yeah, more than anything, it's just it's just funny. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you know like waste a little bit of time and like I don't know, but. I don't think I don't think it it matters so much that you know that it fell apart because a trade happened anyway, or at least it's not quite official. But it's um, because Trevor Reza can't be traded until like four or five days I, from now. Yeah, and, and I think I think it might be tomorrow actually. Oh, okay. I think it, yeah, today today obviously being Sunday. I think it's I think it might be tomorrow. It's um, because he was just signed for over the summer or like traded for. Um, you can't. You can't be, you know, signed or traded within a certain time frame. Yeah. So okay, so now the deal, not including the Memphis Grizzlies, is mm-hmm. the Suns receive Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers from their Washington Wizards in exchange for Trevor Ariza. Just straight up, I don't think there are any picks involved. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I, I think it's funny Memphis just completely withdrew because they yeah. just kind of didn't want any part of it. Also, do you think that maybe a trade kind of was just almost forced because it would be, like, pretty bad for a locker room if, like, take the Wizards, for example, because Trevor Reza kind of knew he was going to get traded, but for mm-hmm. the Wizards, do you think it would be, like, bad to have... To hear if you're Kelly Uber that you're going to get traded, then and, stay? Yeah, and then stay? Do you think that kind of forces the hand of the Washington Wizards GM? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's the sole reason that he made the trade but maybe that contributes to it yeah i don't know it's that's got to be you know it's got to create some kind of tension and awkwardness that like the, all of a sudden your players one of your players knows that he they that he's gonna that he's on the trading block whether mm-hmm. whether kelly Oubre jr already knew that we don't know i think that but, yeah that could just get into a player's head and i yeah. wonder yeah i wonder i feel like that has to kind of impact a gm's sort it, of thing because i know yeah. i know the nba is a business but you have to know as a GM that it's not good if your player thinks he's leaving and feels like he's not wanted and then stays, especially with that locker room already where John mm-hmm. Wall and Bradley Beal hate each other. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, I, I think it's funny. I think it could actually have forced the hand of the Wizard GM. I forget his name. But I do think, though, also, like, if you look at the, the trade that fell apart and then this trade, the, t- the two teams involved are giving up the same thing, the same pieces that they were going to give up. That's it's true. Not, it's not like all of a sudden now there's there's a lot of different moving parts. It's a, it's basically just a t- it's the same trade but with two teams instead of three. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure that Austin Rivers was involved previously, but 
I, I just like the main pieces like Teresa Calubre, like that's that those were they were both involved in the Memphis trade. But I do understand what you're saying. Like that's got to be it's got to put um, GM in a tight spot if if his player knows that he wants out, right? Then then and then or if he knows that he's on trading block, I mean you kind of have to make a move. But also because the Wizards have been sort of a mess this season and and. We already made an episode, I guess, like, probably a couple weeks ago at this point, that saying, like, you know, what are the Wizards going to do? I I think everybody in the Wizards locker room knew somebody was getting traded. I don't think Kelly Oubre was really kind of the focus of, like, obviously we don't know, but I don't think he was the problem in the locker room. Yeah, no, we don't know. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't, I don't I, think... I, I didn't hear Kelly Oubre's name once in, the, in these reports saying that there's locker room trouble, especially between yeah. John Wall and Bradley Beal. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't even think though that it's that you can even frame it necessarily on one player, or even you know like two players. I think it's it's just more that like the whole the locker room as a whole was really struggling. There's a lack of motivation. People who were just not really co- that committed to winning and not c- that excited about playing with each other, they were not playing well as a as a team. And um, I don't know. I think that just mixing it up in general, I think is a step in the right direction. But you know, only time will tell whether whether it was Kelly Oubre or whether it's the whole team or you know I don't know. I like this trade for the Suns. I think I, it, do too. I, I think it's a very good move. Yeah, I mean, I just when they signed Trevor Reza, I was a little bit confused. Not even because because Trevor Reza is a great three and D player, and you thought they were going to start winning games with Devin Booker, who's uh, better than uh, Carl Anthony Towns, huh? I don't. Th- I didn't think. That. I don't. Th- I know. I've, I've never said that. The, 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 Go watch our last episode, and you'll get that. Oh, I guess so. I just I said, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Oh yeah, yeah, my, my, my. yeah. They did, I did think that the, that the I thought they were gonna win like thirty games this season, though, like not not be like yeah. a five hundred team, uh, but we like five and twenty four as of the recording of this episode. Continue. So <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I, I, basically, I was a little bit confused when they signed Trevor Reza just because I don't and and with the Ryan Anderson trade because those are both kind of win now moves, and I don't think this is a win now team, right? This is obviously. To, to you and me, I think we can both agree this is a rebuilding team with um, guys like Mikel Bridges, Josh Jackson, yeah, um, of course, Devin Booker, of and DeAndre Ayton. This is a team that's building for the future. And so Trevor Reza being, I think he's 33 years old, great, th- great 3D guy and a great veteran, but I'm not really sure he really, f- you know, he fits what the Suns are trying to do. Yeah. And I think that Trevor Reza is the kind of guy. I mean, don't that, get me wrong. No team doesn't want Trevor Reza. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. But, but the Suns but like don't care. The kind of team that needs Trevor Reza right now is the Washington Wizards. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's a team that's trying to win now. Is trying to compete and needs like a like you know like a stable, um, three and D like strong wing player who's going to bring good defense, perimeter shooting, be like a stable locker okay, room guy, let's, let's leader, veteran. Austin Rivers is 26, mm-hmm. and he's not a part of their future. But I think it's fine because, one, he's in an expiring contract, which I actually don't really think the Suns care about because they're not going to sign anyone in free agency, obviously, because they're the Phoenix Suns. But <laughs> Wow, that's rough. <laughs> no, also, no, dude, no, 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 because, because they're bad. Yeah, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. Just, because I, that, because that's they're bad. Uh but I, I like it because he's a point guard. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> if you look yeah. on their roster, they have Devin Booker playing starting point guard. Mm-hmm. Their backup is, I think, like, Aliyah Kobo or something. 
I'm gonna yeah. look at their roster, but yeah, no, I mean, I, they definitely 100. percent They need they needed a point guard to put beside them Booker, and I, who knows whether they're actually going to start Austin Rivers at point guard. But like, I think it's a good experiment, especially because he's on they an expiring to. deal. Well, I, they, actually, I, yeah, I don't know if they'll start. But right now, with Devin Booker injured, he's definitely going to start. Because yeah, if you yeah, if yeah, you yeah. look at their roster, they have three true point guards. One is Aliyah Kobo, who's a rookie from France, who's a average backup at best mm. right now like talking about today troy daniels who's like what and also Jawan <laughs> evans who's like what so like none of those guys are starters i don't know devin booker we talked about this in the last episode his playmaking has been up but he has five turnovers also yeah but like he's he's definitely not like up, he's not his his strong suit is not his playmaking yeah but i, I think he's doing a fine job at point guard but mm-hmm. maybe I, I kind of like he's the better experiment. suited for the for the school like primary score position than like score and playmaker. Yeah, but I, I think it's a good experiment. See if he can be James Harden. Why not? But eh. <laughs> I'm not saying he I will. Don't. I'm not. I'm not really a fan of Devin Booker playing point guard, and I, I'm ex- I'm I'm happy that they. I I don't also I don't think that Austin Austin Rivers is even really a true point guard. Like he's kind of a combo guard, I guess, because he kind of looks to score first a little bit too. That's true. But. Just the fact that, they, that they've got a guy who's played a bunch of minutes at, at point guard, I think is good for Devin Booker because I think that he'll get some more time at shooting guard, which I think is his the position that he's mo- most comfortable with playing right now. And I think that if it doesn't work out, like you said, Austin Rivers is on an expiring deal, and yeah, you just let him walk. Just good for them for getting a guy who can yeah pl- give you legitimate, decent mm-hmm. point guard minutes. Talking about Kelly Oubre... Uh, he's 23. He's a wing player who shows some promise. He's ob- I doubt he's going to be an all-star ever. Mm-hmm. But I think he can be a, a very good rotational piece. I would say probably average to slightly above average starter yeah. in the NBA at the shooting guard, small forward, power forward kind of role that they have going on. Yeah, And he, he fit in Washington, which I think is good. And he's only 23. And while he is due for an a contract which I'll talk about in like three or four seconds. <laughs> he he's twenty three and he fits their future, which I think is good. And it fits their plan to have a bunch of athletic wings, talking about Josh Jackson, Mikhail Bridges, TJ Warren. TJ Warren. Yeah. yeah, I think the Suns have talent. They're just I don't know why they're not winning, but yeah. you, you get the point. Also their head coach sucks. <laughs> Igor. His name is Igor. Um so yeah, I want to talk about Kelly Oubre, kind of why the Wizards traded him, because I feel like, I think Washington, this is basically them saying, okay, we're picking a direction. It doesn't seem like that because they didn't trade any one of their guys, but that's exactly why I think they're picking a direction, because mm. Kelly Oubre was like probably their best young piece. Arguably, yeah. Yeah, like who else? Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, who are their good young players like, that the Wizards have right now? I'm like not really sure. Bradley like 25, 26. I mean, how, yeah, I guess, I guess, like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, Otto Porter's not that young, right? No, nah, he's like 25. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on what you're calling young, but like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Like, the, he's got the most, like, room to grow, I guess, out of their yeah, young yeah. guys. And so, I guess, like, Thomas Sadoransky, too, but like. Nah, he's actually old, I think. Really? Because he came into the league like very late. Uh, all right, I'll look it up. But but also uh, one thing I like about this trade also for the Wizards is that this frees up minutes for Thomas Sadoransky. Austin Rivers being traded. That's true. I like. Yeah, he's twenty seven. Okay, yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, but I, I like I like what you're saying. I think that the the Suns getting Kelly Oubre Jr. is another young athletic wing they can play in a league that's moving towards playing a lot of different a lot of wings together on the court at the same time. I think that it's a good move. But I found it interesting that the Wizards trade him, and I, I found it interesting that they received Trevor Reza because I do think it's a very, very good fit for the Wizards, kind of like yeah. just having another auto porter on the floor, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate that you can get a guy for $15 million who's arguably overpaid to fill the same role for a guy who's getting paid $25 million who's very overpaid. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that right now Trevor Reza is a more consistent version of what, of, of what Kelly Oubre is going to bring. You think of Kelly Oubre, he's probably like an athletic 3 and D guy who's a little bit less consistent is, is he, with a little bit is he more upside. a good three-point shooter? That's why I say a little bit inconsistent. I think he's. I think he shows flashes of being a good three-point shooter. I think he's like knocked down, though. Yeah, no, I, I he cuts, definitely and he, don't and think And I think he cuts down. the basket well. But so so I, that's why I think. I think that he has more upside than Trevor Reza, right? Obviously, Trevor Reza being 33 is not going to be getting better, but... but as a Wizards and a team that needs to make a change, that needs you know sort of like level-headed guys in the locker room right now, I think it's a good move because and also on the court like you know you know night in night out what you're getting for Trevor Reza. Also, the, uh, according to an article about Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN, I'll I'll just read it right now. It says ultimately the Wizards believed they had a better chance at affording Ariza on a new deal this summer than Ubre, who will be out of their price range with three max contracts already on the roster. Yeah. I think Kelly Ubre, we could see him getting thrown an offer sheet because he's out he's probably out of his rookie deal this summer. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Ariza, while also being on the free agent market, he's gonna draw way less money because he's older. He's gonna be thirty four years old, which is like old for the NBA. Kelly Oubre is just going to be reaching 24. Mm. And a team with kind of lacking young talent, or only young talent, could really just throw him a contract of, what, like $20 million? Yeah, I mean, we... Maybe, maybe a bit less than that. You but, think about, like, the young wi- the young wings in the league right now, how much money he's getting thrown around with guys like Otto Porter. And okay, like, Otto like, Porter's the extreme example, but... But, like, also, like, Zach Levine this summer. Like... Like, Zach Levine's also better than yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like young wings, like young athletic wings, getting thrown a lot of money is like, it, it, as like restricted free agents. That's like that's happening right now in right? teams. Yeah, and teams having to match that. So, I agree. Like, like there's a there's a very good chance that some team yeah, they like de- they definitely the Brooklyn have... Nets was going to throw Kelly Oubre like a twenty million dollar contract. And yeah. if you're the Wizards, you can't afford to do that when you've already got John Wall tied up for the next four years on like a forty million dollar deal. Exactly. So in that sense, I like it better for the Suns because the fit is better. But I like the it for the Wizards because they're kind of picking a direction. I kind of think that the probability of them trading one of their two guys went down a bit from this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, their two guys being John Wall or Bradley Beal. Yeah, but I think I like the fit, and I like that they didn't lose any shooting. They're probably gaining some shooting. They just get another mm. auto porter, and I think it'll work. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, like you said, it also frees up minutes for Thomas Sadarinsky, which is one of the he's one of the most efficient players in the league. I sound like a nerd yeah. for saying that, but he is. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um. Sorry. All right. All right other news um i think that another another little piece of news is is uh spencer dinwiddie's extension we were just talking about the potential of you know trevor reza or kelly uber getting money this offseason speaking of which um spencer dinwiddie 34 million dollar extension over the course of the next three years 
um, following his career high thirty nine point performance. Very impressive, and I, and I think well deserved. Thirty four million dollars for three years. Not really. I mean, like that's like twelve million dollars a year, like running up to thirty six. But um, I don't know. I I think that he's I think that he's earned it, and I think that I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited for them because I think that he's. Spencer Dinwiddie's still relatively young. If you're, young, if at you're an NBA team, do you like this contract? Yeah. Okay. Because that, with uh, you look at you look around the league, like with guys getting paid twelve million dollars, I don't think you can get a guy for twelve million dollars. It's he, much he, he better. He has the than, same contract as Austin Rivers. Yeah, and he's better than Austin Rivers, I think. Well, yeah, but Austin Rivers was also paid when the league had so much money because the cap went up. Yeah, that's true. But like. It, in terms of guys who would like, so like obviously there are going to be some guys who are on deals from when they were younger and like, but like guys who right now are getting signed, you can't get much ba- much better than Spencer Dinwiddie for like twelve million dollars a year. Yeah, I, I would kind of agree. I would say maybe a, a tad overpaid because if you're like a championship contender or even like a very good playoff contender, I don't know if you want to be throwing. 11 12 million dollars which is like a decent fraction of your cap to kind of just role players like i think spencer but, dinwiddie on a very good team would be a backup point guard that's true but so, but spencer yeah, but, but do you want to pay 12 million 12 million dollars to your backup but but spencer dinwiddie is not the backup for the brooklyn nets and they don't and they're paying him 12 million dollars hoping that he becomes the starter not the backup what does that which, mean for d'angelo russell <laughs> that's the question and, and and to be honest right now Spencer Dinwiddie has been more consistent than D'Angelo Russell. There are games where D'Angelo Russell looks, you you know, you watch him play and you're like, okay, like I understand why he's the second, why he was the second overall pick, overall pick. And then there are other games it's like he just kind of disappears, can't play a lick of defense, is will like go one for ten for the field and just like can't put the ball in the basket, right? So I think that what you know what we're getting from Spencer Dinwiddie is is a more is a more consistent point guard. And I, I don't know. I just I like Spencer Dinwiddie as a, as a player right now, and D'Angelo Russell has not shown me enough. Right? I think we said in like one of our first couple episodes that what we wanted to see from from the Brooklyn Nets this year was for D'Angelo Russell to step up and take over. At the beginning of the season, it was Karis LeVert. He got injured, and then since then, I think it's kind of been Spencer Dinwiddie, not D'Angelo Russell. I guess so. Uh, yeah. Keep in mind. That the nut that the Nets are also going to have to pay D'Angelo Russell because his contract also expires this year. Yeah. So I don't know what that is going to mean. They could give him the qualifying offer for nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Then he can just go and he's an unrestricted free agent, which I don't really think they would want. However, it could really go either way. If they're going to be a player in free agency for a Kevin Durant or maybe just less or so a Tobias Harris, which yeah. I could also see. I don't know if they can give twenty minute uh, uh, twenty million dollars to these two players combined for a qualifying offer, or even just in general, give them like what like thirty five million dollars combined, which I don't think the Nets would mm-hmm. want to do. I think in general, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a good player for them. I don't think he can be an above-average starter in the league, which is why mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever good to throw this much money at a backup or a fringe starter. But good for Spencer Dinwiddie going it, <laughs> uh, getting that bag. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, 
I, I like the move, honestly. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I look at Spencer Dinwiddie, and I, I just think he's a very solid player. He's still pretty young. And, like, he's 25, by the way. Yeah. I mean, he's, just, he's a very, I just, I don't know. I, Spencer Dinwiddie's a very solid NBA player. I can't even really explain it. I just think that it's a, it's a way, very solid He was solid getting paid move. $1 million, which I find hilarious. For the past two years, he's been getting one, yeah. paid $1 million a piece. So and good, good for him. So he's he's earned he's earned that contract. He has earned that. Yeah. Which is why, I, when I see that deal, it makes me smile. Yeah. I want to talk about the Bulls. Yeah, let's do it. Bro, it's been crazy. <laughs> It's been bad, man. Okay, so if you're living under a rock, the Bulls fi- fired Fred Hoiberg like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and they replaced him with Jim Boylan, who was named the full-time head coach, not just the interim coach for the rest of the season or until they find a new coach. By giving him the actual head coaching job, he's going to be there for this year and for probably next year. Yeah. And he was an assistant coach under Fred Hoiberg, and before that, he was an assistant under Greg Popovich, which will become significant in a few minutes yeah i it's kind of an issue that they made him i think head coach already just because because from what we've seen so far obviously like hindsight 2020 um it we can see that it has not really worked out and, and i don't know it'll probably get better i just don't but, think should, they should have fired hoiberg I, I agree i like obviously like i know we're both gonna say yeah, the same yeah. thing we're both gonna say he never had a system which is true he, mm. he has a space in uh, pace system, five out, four out, one in, and then sh- shooters all around, blah, blah, mm. blah. He never had the system for that because Dwayne Wade, because of Rajon Rondo, because of yeah. Jimmy Butler, because of Derrick Rose, really. Mm. He never had the system for his players. The only thing that was kind of remotely similar to it was probably Nico Miritich, and that worked out great. Yeah. But aside from that, I just think he's a very good coach. Like, aside from not giving giving him a chance i think yeah he's just a very good coach of course he could be more igor and less mike d'antoni but typically what we've seen igor being the son's coach i forget his last name but typically yeah but typically what we've seen is that is this new space and pace that uh who's the son's coach david yeager the son's coach Mm. we've seen he's doing a phenomenal job in in sacramento because they're the number one pace the in, king's coach uh yeah they're yeah, like the second or third yeah. best pace yeah, in the league game. uh number one in terms of fast break points per game we've seen that just all these coaches who are going towards the warrior style of basketball like fast pace lots of passing lots mm-hmm. of ball screens also but like just lots of off ball screens we've seen they've been successful more often than not so i think i'm gonna almost give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was a good coach which is kind of it sounds stupid in theory, but I can only think of one, maybe two coaches off the top of my head that are running this style, and it doesn't work, and that's the guy in Phoenix. Um, another one, uh, Kenny Atkins in Brooklyn. Yeah, but um, what I don't I don't I don't know if I'm ready to say go 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 out straight away and just say Fred Hoiberg is a great is a good, is a very good coach or he's a great coach. I think I agree with you that he didn't have enough time and enough players around him to prove that he was a very good coach. So I think that he the, the Bulls the Bulls fired him because he wasn't doing a superb job. But like I don't think that was the right move because I think that 
especially this, if you if it was just based on this season, one were, were we really expecting the Bulls to make the playoffs? I was not expecting the Bulls to make the playoffs. I, was I heard to be people like nine seed. I was I was I heard people saying that the Bulls were going to make the playoffs. I I strongly disagree. I was strongly disagreeing that the Bulls were going to make the playoffs this year. They have some talent. They have talent. They have Zach Levine. By the way, we never talked about this. I called that Zach Levine was going to be good. Anyways, moving on. They had Zach Levine, Larry Marketing. No one expected Wendell Carter to be like this much of a presence on defense. Mm. Chris Dunn, I'm a big fan of. I thought they were going to be like a nine seed. All right. Pretty much. Oh, okay. Chris Dunn, um, Laurie Markkinen, who else? Like I'm talking about injuries. Um, uh, Denzel Valentine and Denzel Valentine have been injured pretty, for for pretty much the entire season so far. You know they're they're kind of coming back now, but um, exactly. But why would you fire Fred Hoiberg that quick that quickly like into the season instead of seeing how his system? fits with these guys i think i read you haven't given him like you know even really a chance i think i read something about there was kind of a disagreement in the front office about how things should be run yeah i don't know which i yeah also i kind of hate the bulls front office for this they they kind of set this up to where they fired the coach just as the players got back yeah so they would be naturally winning more games because they have lowry marketing back and they Mm -hmm. have chris dunn back and they have denzel valentine back but it's backfired. It's no, backfired but, no, but hard. Just in general, that's so like twisted to like mm-hmm. ha- have the media and everyone think like, oh yeah, the the coaching change. You did a good job with that. But yeah. No, it's just you're just having better players, and it's, they're not even they're not playing well. It, it, <laughs> they're really it, it's not. It's backfired because the because the Bulls are playing worse, and now it's wow, the Bulls are playing worse with all their players healthy than they were when they when they had all their players injured. Yeah, and also just like the players kind of hate uh, Boylan. Yeah, Jim let's Boylan. let's get to we talked we talked about Fred Hoiberg versus Jim Boylan and and the fact that he was signed as the head coach and how it's an issue. But like, let's talk about the sort of the drama and like the headlines that were made and why we why make, making Jim Boylan head coach is sort of a bad move to do so quickly. Talk to me. Well, as you said, Jim Boylan was an assistant coach under Greg Popovich, and I'm sure that um that he did a fantastic job under Greg Popovich. Helping the players, and I'm sure he did a great job in in Chicago. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have been promoted to head coach. But I think that Tony Parker said something which was, I think, like very, very, very smart, and I think holds true is that if if you're the coach of a team, you can't walk in. You ha- you have to build up trust with the players. Before you can just like walk in and start like applying the same thing, like I don't know, you have to you have to build up trust with your players over time. Jim Boylan made the mistake, I think, of trying to come in and emulate the things that he saw with Greg Popovich with a young Bulls team in his first week as the head coach. That's not that's not a good idea, yeah. right? Like Jim Boylan, you can't just that's, get that seems very amateur. You can't exactly you can't just get promoted from assistant coach and overnight try to change the entire way things are run. So what David Fisdale did, New York. Continue, <laughs> but that's also, continue, that's also that wasn't mid-season. That was this, not mid-season. This is mid-season as you've got players coming back, doing a total 360, and being, okay, now we're the Spurs. That's not how it works. <laughs> and also, I don't, I don't think that Greg Popovich would be playing his, would be making his players after back-to-back games do practices, like a two-and-a-half-hour practice Dude, where they're running sprints and push-ups. That's not... Army-style push-ups. Yeah. Those are nasty on your uh, <laughs> forearms. Man, I can feel it. 
Okay. <laughs> but I think that he's making he's making he made a huge mistake here, and and I'm great for the Bulls because as you've probably heard, the players called him out on it. They they complained to the NBA Players Association about these back you know these these practices with all kinds of sprints, playing making them go to practice Which after back to back. Games. It seems crazy. Like it, it makes sense, but the headline mm-hmm. itself kind of seems crazy. It's like, oh yeah, uh, like the players ru- like run to the players' association because they're practicing too much. But like, I just realized, like, yeah, like every other player in the league is not going to think they're weak. They're going to agree with them because they all know what it it's like. We we have no idea what it's like. The NBA mm-hmm. life is like it's so hard, man. Like, An eighty-two game season. Yeah, yeah that's that's tough. That's especially tough. especially as and, the game gets more athletic. Yeah, and. It, I think also a big problem is he was doing stuff like this after one of the biggest things that the one of the, like the headlines of like is what he did was he there was there was back to back they had games on back to back days which is like after that the, the it is strongly recommended by the NBA and general etiquette for the coaches to give the players the day off afterwards mm-hmm. but he made them not only go to practice the day after, but run a full practice with sprints and try to like condition them, like making them run suicides. That is not making you better basketball players. That is trying to like teach you some lesson. Yeah. Right. And like he, I guess, like he was making, he was saying something about like the players and the Bulls like not being in basketball shape or being unconditioned when. Fred Hoiberg was playing Zach Levine some of the most minutes in the league. With a very high usage rate, he was on the court. Like, also, what do you playing, expect? Like, Larry Markkinen hasn't played basketball in like four <laughs> yeah, weeks. I don't know. This is this is just like it's been a whole mess. Yeah. Jim Boylan walked in and tried to do way too much, way too honestly, quickly. I don't blame him for pulling out all the starters though. They were down, that was they were okay. down seventeen zero. I know through the wire did a very in depth talk about this because they're all bull. You know, a bunch of them are Bulls fans because they all live in Chicago, but. They and I agree with what they said. They so they said like they were down like they went down like seventeen zero and um, Jim Boylan pulled all five starters. Fine, I understand that. That's a that's a move that that's a move that Greg Popovich does when he's trying to send a signal to his to his players. I understand that when you're down seventeen zero, that makes sense. But you shouldn't do it again in the same game after the other team goes on a five to two run on your starters. They did yeah. he did it again in the game Wait, really? a, after a five two run. Yeah, that's the, the like, other team was on a five-two run. That's like, like not a thing. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I understand if you do it once in a game to prove a point after you give after your starters give up a huge run. Our high school coach did it. He pulled all five starters, and it, and it makes sense, right? You just to, just to pull just to prove a point, then and you put them back the in. Yeah, we'll and, talk about that after. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a very it's an effective way to send a signal. But like, to do that more than once. And for in a situation, even if it's, if it's a situation where, like, they just go on a 5-2 run and it's not, like, that severe, the players didn't mess up that bad or anything, then why don't you just sit them down, like, in a timeout and talk of it, talk about it instead of having to yeah. pull all of them out? Yeah. It's safe to say he handled it poorly. I think we're both yeah. in consensus with that. I think we're mm-hmm. just repeating ourselves at this point. Yeah. Last thing we should talk about, Jabari Parker fell out of the rotation, and there was a report saying they might part ways, the Bulls yeah. and Jabari Parker, which I think is kind of interesting. Do you think Jabari Parker will get traded? Because he's getting paid $20 million this year, but he's, he has a team option, which no one's going to pick up, obviously, unless like he suddenly gets traded to the Suns and starts averaging 17 points per game. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think he'll get traded? 
it's hard for me to say whether he'll be traded or not because I'm not like you yeah. know behind closed doors. Do I think that there are teams out there who would like to have Jabari Parker? Yes. I don't think the Bulls have a high asking price whatsoever. That is true. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think it's a possibility. Why not? And I think and I think the Bulls also. If you're if you're the Bulls, I, I think one of the reasons people like this trade a lot or like this signing a lot when it happened, including myself, even though even though it hasn't worked out, it was it was an experiment where the Bulls signed him on a one year deal. If he plays great, you have a team option, which is like a, you know another, which is you add another year to that contract and it becomes a two year deal. If it doesn't work out, you don't extend his contract with that team option and, and he just walks. I think that if you're the Bulls. Rather than just letting him walk and not resign him to the team option, you should probably just you should probably just try to trade him and get something for him. So I think that they'll they'll make an attempt. They'll put him out there on the trade block if he doesn't make his way back into the rotation, which we'll see that could still happen. Um, and and I think that maybe some team would make would make a move to do that as long as they don't have to give up much in return. Mm-hmm. Like. If you have to, if you have to give up like a second round pick for or something for like for Jabari Parker, you should do that. I think. Yeah, I think you're but, like, Again, because again, it's a one year. It's like he was a second overall pick in the draft. I know, man. That sucks. And and I think that he could have been. He good. hasn't even had a full chance because yes, he has. I don't think so. Hear me out because he's struggled one one. He struggled with a lot of injuries. Yeah. That's, two. That's valid. He was two when he was drafted. The bull the or the Bucks were a young team. That was in sort of in rebuild mode. He he cut you know he sits out sort of like a year year and a half. No, comes he, back he from great, his, he had a good rookie season. I know yeah he but he sits out basically a full year like and a little bit more like kind of in and out with like his ACL tear. He comes back and all of a sudden Giannis is a superstar and the bull and the Bucks are contending and so they're like okay bye Jabari. We don't need you anymore because you because you're still sort of a project piece. I don't know, man. He's he's kind of inefficient. Like he can mm-hmm. like yeah, he can do a bit of everything. And I'm not sure he fits today's NBA that well. Yeah, I don't think he does. He can do a, a bit of anything. He doesn't mm-hmm. have any huge weaknesses except maybe three point shooting. Uh, even but, like, but his three point shooting shows. I just, don't, I just shows, don't think he can do anything that well. And by the way, he's a god awful defender. He's he's been he's been one of the sweet. worst perimeter defenders in the league over the and past two years. And also also is very concerning that he explicitly said, "Yeah, I don't get paid to play defense." That is very concerning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you know he said he doesn't have any weaknesses. I would say that defense is a weakness, and I don't think that three point shooting is necessarily a weakness, but it's definitely not a strength. If he can if he can make his three point shot a consistent weapon, on top of his ability to attack the basket, and and you know, score inside the three-point arc. I think I think he is a very solid scorer inside the three-point arc. That I think that he could become a very valuable piece to a team that's already pretty solid. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, <laughs> we're done. Cool. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Space the Floor NBA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a like. That'd be dope. And subscribe. If you're listening on Apple. Bo- Apple Podcast, thank you for listening and leave a review. That'd be cool. Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And we hope you enjoyed. My name is Connor Gillen. I'm Connor, I'm Connor Flannery. And see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you all next time. Peace. <laughs>